Welcome to the Daily Boogie. Good Tuesday evening, everybody. Chris McDonald with the Mac Files broadcast on this Tuesday night, October the 9th, 2018. And as you can tell on the screen, we have got the one and only Boogie Bumper, my good friend from down under in Australia. He is absolutely the best. He's a good friend, and I just love having him on the show. I love listening to him, and uh, he always keeps us informed, keeps us laughing, keeps us uh, drinking. And uh, I even hear rumors that Boogie has has people on drugs after his shows Is and that right? therapy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like I to, to do I like to do what I can. I like to do what I can for the pharmaceutical industry, Chris, because we could all use that sponsorship, couldn't we? <laughs> absolutely, man. Absolutely. You know, I told James one night that he was a bodyguard of tattoo, and he said it was a very short job that he had. So uh, I don't know. I'm trying to figure out what you're. Uh, what your job has been, but anyway, Interna- hey, man, international man of mystery, international man of mystery, international man of mystery. That's, man right. Of mystery. That's yeah. right. Uh, Austin power down below. Hey, it's good to see you, my friend. It really is. Uh, always enjoyed your chats. And, uh, every time you come on the show, we always have a good, good, uh, back and forth. And I know tonight's not going to be any different, my friend Boogie. Uh, you had, you told me something before we came on that had me laughing and I almost couldn't choked up so bad. I couldn't even start the show, but, uh, the Hillary Clinton comedy tour, is on uh, circuit now yeah. and Hillary is going around uh, charging 750 bucks to come hear her and Bill pacificate or pacificate or whatever you call that word. I don't know what Bill O'Reilly used to call it, but um, at this, I don't know. I, I'm going to not, <laughs> not say the word right. So I'm going to stop trying anyway to hear them speak, to hear them speak. But uh, it's amazing what Mrs. Clinton has come up with that uh, she uh, basically uh, in the first uh little event and uh was able to insult Theresa may and say that she was no margaret thatcher and yep. then she basically laid the gauntlet down even further telling the democrats not to be civil with republicans and i just want to know when in the hell has democrats ever been civil with republicans i don't think they've ever been civil boogie but uh yeah. it is sort of comical that the price tag is so high to come here two losers and liars speak yeah i mean this is a continuation of the behavior that we've seen from hillary clinton ever since she lost the election right and you, right. you'd have to think like, you've, okay, so you've had two unsuccessful runs at the presidency. You were beaten by Barack Obama, and then you were beaten by the guy that you claim is the worst president of all time. To make a sports analogy, Chris, if you're in a two-team division and you get absolutely trounced by the worst team, that makes you worse than them, right? <laughs> she's argu- she's, exactly arguably right. The, she's arguably the most unpopular Democratic representative going for the presidency of all time. Democrats hate her. Like, I just wonder who's going to be paying 750 large to line up and hear once again that uh the 2016 election was robbed from her stolen from her chris you know this this unjust this terrible tragedy Mm. it was the russians it was the sexists it was the islamophobes it was the racists it was all of the above don't you want to hear that again like imagine telling you imagine telling your kids sorry kids no super bowl this year we're going to travel to vegas to watch (laughs) hillary moan about the 2016 election once again 
Seven hundred fifty well, bucks. Yeah, I'll just tell you what I uh, I'll tell the audience what I told you. I don't. I think that's probably what she's charging Bill to have sex with her these days. I'm just <laughs> saying, you know, I'm just saying. But uh, anyway. No, uh, but Boogie, honestly, she is, without a doubt, one of the uh, most polarizing figures we've ever had in American politics. And it, it's it's hard to believe that this lady's been on our landscape for nearly 45 years. I mean, mm -hmm. if you think about it, going back to the late 70s when she was a law student uh, and, and, and basically involved with all these liberal causes and then, you know, the Arkansas thing with her husband being governor and then, then the first White House debacle with the, you know, the health care debacle the travel gate i mean all this stuff and she's always had her hands and it's all they've always been dirty but the the scarier thing about hillary clinton is that she never believes i don't think she ever gets the fact that people hate her i think she believes people literally enjoy what she's saying and we don't boogie we don't want her even and you said it right even the democrats they're just like please shut up and go away go into retirement Yep. Go back into the wood, the woods. Don't be found. Please don't be found by anybody. And, you know, thank you for your getting your, you know, self thump twice, uh, you know, once by Barack Obama and then once by Donald Trump. Look, that's the other thing. They had that election in 2016, Boogie, so thought they at least had it so wrapped up. They didn't even cheat. And when the Democrats don't cheat, you know, that's pretty bad <laughs> when they realize that, you know, maybe we should have cheated. And that's what should have happened in 2016. But that didn't happen. No, that's right. And look, if, <clears throat> pardon me, when Hillary Clinton like, looks back on her life, now you said she's been in politics for a long, long time, okay, but what has she actually achieved? Remember she had that, that ghastly, uh, what was it, the Hillary Health Act or something that fell through. There is actually nothing that you can point to in Hillary Clinton's career in politics and actually say, yes, Hillary did that other than perhaps siphoning money from Saudi officials in order to get access to various, <laughs> you know, very like t taking donations on behalf of the, the Clinton Foundation. The, the other thing to consider here with Hillary Clinton is I would ask you, now there's two, actually, here's two things to consider. You know, this is a common line that you'll hear from liberals, Chris. I hear it a lot in comments in, you know, Periscope chat rooms and whatnot. Whenever you talk about Hillary Clinton, why, why are you still talking about Hillary Clinton? The election was two years ago. Why are you still talking about Hillary? I would say that's a great point. Why is she still in the news? Why can she not go a week without getting in front of a microphone and using that as an opportunity to mouth off and talk about how she was robbed, how the Russians did it, how the racists did it, how Donald Trump's horrible? She's keeping herself in the news. Now, who amongst us has the audacity to suggest that Hillary Clinton absolutely does not harbor any kind of desire to run again for president in 2020? I would say, why, why else is she staying in the news cycle? Why? Oh, I know. She could retire but, but, and go and knit or bake a cake or do something, <laughs> right? She could do anything. She could take up lawn bowls, for example. In, she, would look, she would look great in her moo-moo out on the greens at the local bowling club, but she's not. She's, she wants to remain uh, like a focal point. And of course, the corporate media just can't wait to stick a microphone in front of her mouth because they're predictable, exactly. like, they're predictable like Sunrise. They know exactly what Hillary's going to say. And it's going to be an opportunity to once again splash up a negative Donald Trump story because Hillary said it, right? Well, I tell you, Boogie, you said you brought up something, and unless somebody starts emerging, and I believe the day after the midterms is when you can pretty much say 2020 is on. Uh, but, you know, right now, the only 
names being circulated out there are Joe Biden, Cory Booker, Camilla Harris, Elizabeth Warren, trying to stay relevant, maybe. But Hillary has got to look at this. And even Bernie, I don't think Bernie's a, a given. He's going to try to get back in there. No. But I think that some of what you're saying, I mean, absolutely is spot on because I do believe that she thinks that she's got a shot. I think that if she thinks she's going to go round two with him and that she's going to somehow miraculously cause all these people that, you know, she feels like uh, were uh, just misinformed or, or whatever excuse she's given that if we'll get the Russian influence out of 2020, then I'll get all those votes up in Pennsylvania and Michigan mm-hmm. and Wisconsin, the Rust Belt that she lost. Uh, and maybe this middle America. Look, I would predict that if Trump and her went round two, it would be far worse a defeat for her in 2020 than it was in 2016. I may be oh, wrong, but I would, it, I would it put money be, on that. It might be Walter Mondale level, right? <laughs> but it, you took the words right out of my mouth. Look, Walter Mondale to this day, I mean, you, you think about what Reagan did to him in 84. I mean, Reagan even won California in 84. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's the last time a Republican has won that state. And the only state Mondale won was Minnesota. And he barely won that. And that was his home state. And mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it was Minnesota's always been deep blue. I mean, even though it sort of changed over the last few years. And I know Sherry was sales in the audience and she is. I can see her doing her finger like this because she told me <laughs> she said Trump only lost uh, Minnesota by like one point eight percent to Hillary. And he did. Yep. He barely, barely lost Minnesota, Boogie. But I just I, I don't understand unless it's just it's just, you know, when you get I, I look at it this way, Boog, when people are evil and their intentions are evil and they really are this this narcissistic and they they're this. I don't even know the word for them anymore. Both Bill and Hillary both. Um, I think that they just reached this crisis point that they 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 cross the line where all sense of reason leaves them. And they would they would be the first to go out there and do something like this and wouldn't think twice about it, where most other people would say, you know, I've gotten thumped twice. I need to just, re- like you said, enjoy retirement. I don't think that's in Hillary Clinton's mindset. I don't. I think that mm. she literally is this narcissistic and this evil and this wicked. And I, I, I think that her, you know, that the country wants that. And I hate to tell her that's not what the country wants. If they would have wanted that, we'd elected her in 2016. It's a lust for power, isn't it? Because that's, that's what I was looking for. The exactly. Clintons have lust. had a the Clintons have had a taste. There's a great meme, uh, Chris, which you would call a meme, of course. And there's a great meme, and it's and it's a libertarian, and he's and he's holding a globe like you might have on a desk in a science lab, and it says libertarian secretly plotting to take over the world and leave you alone. Right, but this is <laughs> this is not the Clintons. The Clintons no. have they have had you know their their little their little dirty little claws on the levers of power at whatever level for, what, the better part of four decades now? The other thing, too, is, <clears throat> pardon me, the thing to consider here is, although it's, it sounds preposterous to us now that Hillary Clinton would throw her hat in the ring and go around again to try and become president, my question would be, well, how much power does she still have over the superdelegates? Because that's really the key to the kingdom in the Democrat Party. We know the selection process for the Democrats really goes against their namesake. It's very undemocratic. If you that's buy right. off, if you buy off the, you know, the kind of pseudo mobsters of the power brokers of the Democrat Party and get those super delegates on board, you basically assured the nomination. That's what happened to Bernie Sanders, right? So, right. if she still has a, an access, you know, a pathway to victory, as they would call it through those super delegates and by winning a certain amount because after that she only has to win a handful of states over her competitor with the super delegates in the bag that the democrat 
rank and file may not want her, the members, like the party members, but if she if she gets those super delegates on board and then picks up, say, a California and a New York and a few in between, all of a sudden she's back there. And exactly. and, and yes. then we are talking Mondale. We are. T- oh, oh, yeah. I would. I would oh, welcome yeah. it. I would welcome it. Who do yeah. you? Th- again, who do I you think, think is a credible? Secretly. Like who yeah. do you think is credible? I I thought um, there's a woman in Hawaii which I think would be a decent challenge, and it's not Maisie Hirono. It's uh, I forget her name. Tulsi Gabbard, right? Because yes. she has a lot of that sort of anti-corporation, anti-one percent stuff that flows through a section of the MAGA crowd. The only problem with her is she comes from Hawaii and you can't win the presidency from Hawaii, right? You just, there's no way, there's no way in hell you can do it. So, and you know, she's probably not that well liked on the right, but I think she's someone who could drag enough of those middle of the road, blue wall states back to the Democrat party. That's the thing I fear most, Chris, is, you know, let's look at reality here. Donald Trump isn't the end of the process. Like, just no. because Donald Trump wins and you get two Supreme Court justices doesn't mean you can sit pretty, put your feet up, enjoy a mint julep and, you know, carry on for the next 40 years. No, the fight continues. The fight has yes, only just did. started. And the Democrat Party are just one smooth-talking salesman away from whisking all of those hard-fought and won votes back to the blue. And you've got to be on top of it. So I don't know who's who's credible on the other side. You know, you mentioned Kamala Harris. I can't see her being successful outside of California. Cory Booker, I am Spartacus. I'm sorry. Even against 300 electoral college votes, he's still not going to win. So you know, he's not going to win. He can't win. Yeah, no, I don't think. Yeah, Cory's going to need more than Spartacus's 300 guys to. Uh, or, or it was. Uh, yeah, I think he's going to need a little bit more than that. Absolutely. Uh, Boogie, let me ask you this, and you brought up something about fighting because you know it is. I, I, it was you said it perfectly. We on the mega side, and I've talked to several people about this, and they're all in agreement. We tend to get complacent, and you know I think that if Brett Kavanaugh and this whole mess that took place over the last fifteen days, and it was such a powerful moment last night watching him get sworn in. And uh, I was just so proud of our president. And I was proud of the fact that Donald Trump apologized to him publicly. I I think that took a lot of character. It showed a lot of class. Uh, I think it showed President Trump ultimately didn't believe any of these allegations. Uh, You know, uh, he got slammed in the media for mocking. uh, Well, can I just say, Chris, I don't want to I don't want to interrupt. But can I just say if you want to take the cynical political view as well, not that's not a bad view. But if you want to take the cynical political view, it was also a high ground maneuver, which he knows is going to spark outrage from the left, from the left media, which is going to make it even further high ground. So he takes the high ground, apologizes for the debacle, which then sparks an outrage cycle in the press. How dare you? You've turned this into a political exercise. You've politicized this whole process. And then you keep the you keep the rage. You keep the story in the press and you keep the rage for, you know, conservative voters heading into the midterms, right? That's right. That's right. And and I think that he 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 hit such a, a beautiful tone. And uh, I just uh, I want to uh, read what I tweeted out uh, today because it just sort of sums up what I want to talk about. But I, I, I said this, uh, Boogie, early this morning. I said what President Trump did during the Minnesota rally wasn't mocking Christine Ford. It was an accurate reenactment. He quoted her. He only condensed it down from the four hours of bullshit that she spewed down to the essential quotes. <laughs> only a leftist, Boogie, would consider throwing your quotes back at you as mocking. Maybe it wouldn't be mocking 
if his, her entire testimony was a mockery all by itself to begin with, and then I added a little footnote, I said, my advice to you, Ms. Ford, is go take your GoFundMe money that you have fraudulently raised and go get therapy for the yeah. uh, <laughs> problem that you are experiencing because you felt like the president was mocking. I heard a lawyer say today that she got her feelings hurt, well, and maybe, Boogie, this time she'll remember the sessions, and this time maybe she'll take notes with actual names on it. Look, it's all poppycock. I don't know yeah. if that's an Australian term. It's poppycock. Oh, yeah. It's been poppycock from the beginning. And I don't believe her. I don't believe a word she says. I don't believe a word Ramirez said. I don't believe a word Julie Swesnick said. It was all a political hit job. You know why I know that? Because guess what? Mainstream media has not talked about these women all week long. Ever yep. since Brett Kavanaugh got confirmed Saturday, there's not been one network that has mentioned those three ladies' names anymore. They, they were done. They were used for what they were called to do. They've been thrown to the road. And look, you know, I think personally, and I'll get your opinion on this, I believe Chuck Grassley needs to keep the pedal to the metal and get to the truth because Brett Kavanaugh still is going to have that hanging over him a little bit as he sits on that bench. And with this threat of the Democrats wanting to impeach him for all stuff, I would call their bluff on it, Boogie. I would get them ladies under oath and I would make them tell an FBI agent or tell some law enforcement agency their story. Not the media, not the media, but talk to the cops, talk to the police officer, talk to people that they've got to lay a hand on a Bible and say, this is what happened. And then, and then, and then see what happens. I guarantee you they don't do it. But this, this stuff that Grassley was asking for, the notes from the therapist, the polygraph test and all that that they didn't produce, I'd make them produce it. And I would show it to the American public and show this to be the fraud that it is. That's just Chris. No, I think, I think there's... You know, I agree with your sentiment. The sad reality is, and you know this as well, that would only be further evidence for people who are on the Republican side of the aisle. Because think about it, if, if you're prepared to believe an, an accusation so heinous as this one was, as, as the numerous ones were, without evidence, look, see, this is the problem. Um, you can believe, like, you're you're 100% well within your right to say, I don't believe her, I don't believe Ramirez, I don't believe any of it. And I'm, I'm in that boat, but I'm of the opinion, like, I don't believe it because you've given me no reason to believe it. If you produce something, right. if, there's some, if there's some kind of compelling evidence that I've overlooked somewhere, please feel free, bring it to me, and maybe I'll believe it. But unfortunately, that's gone wanting. Now, if you are somebody that's prepared to believe without question, without any kind of critical thought applied to the situation whatsoever, all of the evidence that's produced to the contrary is not going to change your mind because you've already decided with no evidence. So Great if point, if, if, if Chuck right. Grassley comes out and says, look, we have these sworn testimonies, he's 100% innocent, he's in the clear, you know what Democrats are going to say. They're going to say, oh, this is a cover-up. This is rigged. They're making it up. Right. I mean, I, w I predicted this. I saw comments on Twitter when he came out and said uh, all four of my legal clerks are women. And this is the first time this has ever happened. And people were celebrating. I said, you watch liberals will come out and say they'll just make snarky remarks. It'll be, yes, he's only got four women because then he can grope them. And what do you know? Then it comes up on Twitter. Oh, of course, a sexual predator would surround himself with young, vulnerable women. That makes total sense to me. These people are insane. They there is no there is no middle ground there. Like to bring it back to Hillary Clinton, she says, "If you want civility, you're going to have to put the Democrats back in power." 
because we can't be civil with a side that is uh, not prepared to have any kind of civil discussion. Well, I'm sorry, if if you're accusing people of being gang rapists who drug women without evidence and then telling people who dare point out the fact that there is no evidence and even evidence to the contrary, accusing them of being apologists for gang rapists, well, where, where do you think the civility is coming from? Where is the civility divide stemming from? It's not here. It's not this side, right? So right. it's it's just red meat to their supporters because we're in a cycle now where, you know, the 24-hour news cycle has been reduced to about 12 minutes. Every outrage right. is jumped upon and blown up and the story just goes past people. I, I forget who said the famous line. What was it? A lie can get halfway around the world before the truth has got its pants on. That's right. right. That's right. right. The lie, right. A lie is sexier. A lie is more fun. And a lie, if it damages your opponent, well, unfortunately, we're in a time and age where, you know, those people on the left are more than happy to perpetuate the lie because, because again, because that lust for power, it's insatiable. They need to have it back. Look, I got a question for you. Uh, and I've, I, and I've, 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 I've done several shows uh, over on Brett Cavan over the last two weeks, and I've, I've looked at it from the spiritual angle. I've looked at it from the political angle. Um, and I'm just curious, and it doesn't really matter what angle you want to take this from, but in your opinion, why was there so much warfare over Kavanaugh? Do you think it was the babies? Do you think it was something else? Do you think, because I know that they, they fought Gorsuch, but honestly, Gorsuch, it seemed like they had pretty much, you know, they figured that Gorsuch was a 4-4. They didn't expect Kennedy to retire quickly as he did. They were willing to, to let Gorsuch take Scalia's place. They knew it was still going to be 5-4 with a sort of a moderate in the, in the swing vote. Because Kennedy would swing liberal sometimes just like he would swing conservative. Kavanaugh won't be swinging liberal. I mean, yeah. Brett Kavanaugh is as conservative as it's going to get. And look, when Ruth Bader Ginsburg decides to go to her nursing home, and God only knows what that's going to look like. But look, you got Amy Barrett sitting in the bullpen right now, and she's going to make Brett Kavanaugh look like uh, Bernie Sanders. The way yeah, she oh, yeah. that. <laughs> Absolutely. A friend of mine actually said the, the exact same thing last week. Uh, he said, next up, we've got uh, Amy Comey Barrett, and she makes Brett Kavanaugh look like a communist. So strap, <laughs> strap yourself in. Strap yourself in, Democrats. It's not going to get any better. I think you raise a very good point. They probably didn't predict the retirement of Kennedy, which, again, if you put yourself in the mind of a Democrat, that feeds their conspiracy narrative that, oh, this is all set up. You know, they want right. they, Kennedy right. was tapped on the shoulder so they can get a young person in there so they can control the courts for the next 40 years. But, I mean, this is what they talk about. This is what they mean. I, I think the attacks on Kavanaugh, look, you know, the spiritual angle... I, I get it, but I, I just feel like I don't, I'm not the one that has the authority to, to speak on that, you know, and it might be right, it might be wrong, I'm not sure, but I think that's some, something that people have to so ask themselves. Boogie, all I'm so. asking is just from, your, from Boogie's perspective. I mean, it don't have yeah. to be spiritual, it don't have to be, just, you don't even have to be political, but just from sure. your personal part and, and looking from Australia, looking back into our country and watching what you've watched, Boogie, over the last 15 days, what is your gut why there was so much... Okay. Uh, turmoil over him. And again, we just, 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 just an opinion question from your heart. Well, okay. Well, I think that, sorry, if you can hear thunder here, there's a big storm going on here. Not a hurricane though, you'll be pleased to know. Um, <laughs> I think that, I think the problem for Brett Kavanaugh was actually that he was second. It's a bit like the Buzz Aldrin syndrome. Okay. The first guy gets all the, uh, the praise and the plaudits and the second guy, he's kind of forgotten. They couldn't oppose Neil Gorsuch 
because that was Donald Trump's first one. So if you put your if you think about it strategically, if you oppose Neil Gorsuch and you make this kind of warfare on Donald Trump's first pick, then you you're seen as not giving the guy a fair go, right? You you haven't you haven't allowed the process to take hold. If you let Neil Gorsuch go through and then oppose viciously the next one, you can say, "Hey, we're the good guys here. We let Neil Gorsuch go through, but we can't let this guy go through." And then you throw out all the fabricated accusations. Of course, the timing in regards to the midterms is key. If you can just push right. it out, push it out, push it out for as long as possible. Let's remember what is what are we about twenty seven days away from the vote now? Something Probably. like that. That's right. Okay, that's yeah. only, that's not long. That's four weeks that I think a lot of them would have said, look, we just need to push and push and push and push and hope that it takes longer. And, I, you know, I don't think they were prepared for the fact that when they got the FBI investigation that they wanted, they probably thought, you beauty, absolute celebration, until they read the next line, which said it's going to go for a week. Because then the next narrative started, right? You'll remember, that's not long enough. We need longer. We need longer to decide. So I think a lot of it was like hack Last, you know, we've spoken about the concept before, Chris, the Hail Mary play. We've got right. nothing else in the tank. We've got no other option. Now, it's funny you said, um, <clears throat> you spoke about, you know, the stories. Now they've forgotten completely about the three women. You're 100% exactly. correct. And the story from the corporate media has just been turned. It's been twisted. It's been manipulated and massaged into just straight out gender war now. So it's Absolutely. no longer about the three women. The three women are just crucified as an example to the peasants by the Democrats and then and then saying, okay, you know what? Look, the, the Republicans, they just hate all women. They don't believe any survivors from sexual abuse. They're going to overturn Roe v. Wade. They want to trample on women's rights. They want to drive you back into the 50s. There's your election story for the people making picket signs and marching in black balaclavas out the front of the Supreme Court, trying to claw their way in like an animal, right? right. They don't need any well, more um, than that. Well, I, I totally agree with you, what you said, and I, I believe this too, but I believe uh, that uh, I wanted, it was two things that was going on over Kavanaugh, in my opinion. Number one, I do believe it was revenge for Merrick Garland. Uh, look, Mitch McConnell was uh i've never mitch is just north of me i live in tennessee he's in kentucky uh just about two hours north of me and uh he's a he's always been a unique figure uh in the senate there's times when i've not been sure he's had president trump's back there's been times that i've thought that he's the biggest supporter of president trump you could ever have and again he sort of weaves in and out of that sometimes i don't think at the beginning he was on the trump train but i believe that even mitch mcconnell and even Lindsey Graham and a few of these other Republicans have seen that it's it's really a losing proposition that if you're not going to get on the Trump train that got you into the station, uh, that Trump train is going to leave you at the station and you're going to lose and you're going to lose big to your constituents because the reason they're behind you is because they're behind him. And I think he's come around. But look, what he did in standing up to Obama there at the end of 2016 and not allowing the former president to put this liberal judge on the court was absolutely the right move to make. I don't care who you talk to. I mean, he did the right thing. And and then when uh, he did that, it, it ticked the Democrats off like it always does. And they think that, you know, uh, they brought it out a little bit in Gorsuch, but it just seemed like that was the other narrative with uh, Kavanaugh, that this is payback for, uh, for Garland, that we're going to make it miserable as hell on the Republicans. 
you know, because they wouldn't let us have our, our, our Merrick Garland. So we're not going to let them have their Brett Kavanaugh, you know, and, and I don't, and again, it's just, it's just, it's just politics in, in Washington. The other thing I do believe though, and I do believe there was what you mentioned also was the Roe v. Wade issue. The report came out tonight. Uh, they did a study this week, $120,000 passed from Planned Parenthood to every Democrat on that Senate Judiciary Committee that was questioning Brett Kavanaugh. And I do believe, Boogie, that there is a tie over the warfare over Brett. And you can call it spiritual, political, whatever you want to call it. It's still, it was a war, but I do believe the babies are at stake. And I do believe that there are elements in this country that profit from baby murder, Boogie, and it's sad. And they've always profited from baby murder. And, you know, the I, I, I'm not, this is not our spiritual show tonight, but there is a no. spiritual component to this. It's bloodletting over our nation and it's sure. bloodletting over the world, not just America, Boogie. It's all over the world that this is happening. But when you start playing Planned Parenthood into this and they're giving $120,000 to the Senate Judiciary Committee, a light bulb comes on and says, that makes total sense why these people acted the way they did. Well, doesn't, doesn't Planned Parenthood get the bulk of their money from taxpayers in the first place? Exactly. So exactly. Isn't, isn't, isn't that fantastic? You've got Christian Republicans being forced to pay for Planned Parenthood, which are then giving the money back to the Democrat Party. How many Republicans are aware that they're actually funding the campaigns of Democrats? Probably not many. Not many. Right. right. So that's a scandal. That's a scandal in of itself right there, isn't it? That's a scandal in of itself. See, I think, I think a lot of people would say, well, maybe not a lot, but I, I think some people would say, look, okay, you want abortions? You're fine. You have your abortions, but I'm not paying for it. But because it's, I don't think it is about women's rights, reproductive rights, if whatever they want to call it, what however the, however way they want to reframe what actually happens during the process. Okay, let's call it reproductive rights then, if that's what you want. I think a lot of it is about money, and it's and it's the ability and the dem- look. The Democrats have been very very good at this. They construct organisations and boards and bodies and non profits. And they funnel money from taxpayers into those which then feed back into the Democrat Party. And while, you know, while Barack Obama was in office, Chris, you'll remember, you've got to crack down on the opposition. So you use the IRS to attack the libertarians and the freedom groups and the Christian groups, right, in reverse. So you hurt the enemy, which makes you stronger. Yeah. Um, With with the Merrick Garland issue and with Mitch McConnell... um, Look, I, you know, Mitch McConnell has his downsides, one of which was I, I, with the thing with Obamacare and his inability to force the issue when Donald Trump got into office. I mean, Mitch McConnell sent Obamacare to, uh, you know, the repeal of Obamacare to former President Barack Obama's desk. What was it, about 60-something times, 70 times or thereabouts, something right. like that? And, of course, he knew that it wasn't going to get signed, so it's a safe thing to do to gin up your support base, right? Oh, yeah. Remember that speech he made at CPAC? Like, oh, we're going to stand. We're going to take down Obamacare (laughs) if it kills us. Of course, that wasn't the case. That wasn't to be. So I think what Mitch McConnell and Lindsey Graham and a lot of the Republicans have seen now, it's not, it's not, might not even be a fact of being on the Trump train. It's the fact that Trump has shown you the way to win. He has shown, he has given you, he has given you the cookbook. He has given you the recipe. He has given you the instructions. You see the outrage, you brace for the outrage, and you push through the bloody outrage. 
and you ignore the outrage and you flip them off as you're driving past because the everybody knows the Democrats. See, this has been the new media spin, hasn't it? Like if you look at Salon, the New York Times, the Washington Post, Hillary Clinton is just a kind of robotic repeater of the narratives that uh, you know, are either forced to her or she's forcing out to everyone else. We're too nice. We're the good guys. We've been the victims. The Republicans are the uncivil ones. We're the, so this is the new picture that they're trying to paint. Like they would never do the same thing. Of course, Mitch McConnell, in regards to Merrick Garland, was only upholding uh, precedent set by Joe Biden in the first place uh, with George H.W. Bush when he tried to, in the last year of his presidency, which, you know, in a, before a presidential election, nominate someone to the Supreme Court. Joe Biden says, no, uh-uh, can't do it in the last right. year. So That's right. He was only upholding that rule. But I, I think now the Republicans know if, if you go hard, if you push through the outrage, we have, proof, we have evidence. Donald Trump is the evidence. There it is. You don't need any more explanation. Throw out your focus groups. Throw out your PR and your media teams who want you to suck up to the mainstream media. Sucking up to the mainstream media gives you nothing except becoming a target later on. They don't care how nice you are to Democrats. They don't care where you fall on certain issues. They want you to do what they want you to do. That's the nature of being an elected official. So now the Republicans know they have the confidence of the people to hell with the media. Donald Trump has shown them that. So Mitch That's McConnell right, says, no, we're pushing, we're pushing him through. And you know what? If you don't like it, vote us out. Lindsey Graham That's says, right. Lindsey Graham was on Fox on Sunday the other day, Chris. He said, I've never campaigned against a colleague before in my political life. That's going to change. I'm going to go to all of these states and I'm going to go to all of these purple states and say, hey, do you think it's right to impeach a Supreme Court justice based on five allegations where we have no corroborating evidence? Do you think that's right. right? He's getting on the campaign trail. It's time for the Republicans to attack. You've got the ascendancy. Right. You've got the momentum. Now you have to make the most of it. I mean, it's all well and good to have the ball, you know, 20 yards out from the opposition's end zone for, you know, 70% of the game. But if you don't score any touchdowns, it means nothing. You got to score. That's it. You got to score, Boogie. Hey, well, let me tell you this. Uh, why would the Republicans care anyway? about the, the feminists supporting him? Why would they care about the media supporting him? Why would they care about the left supporting him? The left's never going to support anything they do. Feminists are going to be angry. These women's groups, these left-wing groups, these abortion groups, all of these groups that are anti-American, socialist groups, whatever, this Antifa movement. Look, if the Republicans think that laying down is going to appease these groups, they're fools. But I think what you just said sums up what's happened. They've looked at Trump, and Trump has not laid down. Because when the media hits at him, they better get ready because they're going to get punched back. And the Republicans are understanding that it's okay to punch back because the people that are going to get the most upset with you are not the people in your corner anyway. And, you know, they're all, you know the independents is what they're worried about catering. Boogie, I would argue that the independents ultimately want to see some passion. Yep. I, I read something about Susan Collins, and we'll go on to Nikki Haley. Susan Collins made an interesting comment Monday, uh, and, and, and it caught my eye. Right before Brett Kavanaugh got sworn in, they were asking Susan what ultimately led her to cast her vote in favor of Brett Kavanaugh. And when she said that when she watched him before that committee Thursday, and she said his passion and his, the way, the forcefulness of his denial convinced her that he was telling the truth. And then if you hear the media talk, it was that passion 
It was that anger. It was that situation that led them to question his temperament. It led them to question his fitness for the court, that we don't want somebody this angry on the court. We don't want somebody this partisan. It got to Susan Collins. That temperament, Boogie, that anger, that passion is what moved that main senator that is as liberal as not as day to vote yes. And I'll tell you something else, and I'll give it back to you real quick, because uh, this is an interesting thing, too. The new attack on the Supreme Court now is the word legitimacy. Yep. They have used the word legitimacy over and over and over today and yesterday. Eric Holder came out and said with the election of Brett Kavanaugh, the legitimacy of the Supreme Court's at stake. Hillary used that word. MSNBC's used that word. The CNN people have used that word. Uh, and look, I have to give it to MSNBC, and I can't believe I'm saying this. It's like James R. said the other day. He couldn't believe he was retweeting Lindsey Graham twice <laughs> in a day. James says, hell's froze over. Go get ice for hell. <laughs> or go get, go get Satan some ice or something along those lines. I was laughing. <laughs> My power co-host has his moments. He does. I have to tell you. That's great. <laughs> but I was, <laughs> he was like, go get some ice because Satan might need some ice for the hell. But uh, anyway, but but seriously, though, it's gotten so bad that MSNBC is beginning to sound more moderate than CNN because even they were bashing the people that were going after Brett Kavanaugh. And they said, this is so unfair and so ridiculous what has come out of this. So, but mark my word, that's the new attack. It's legitimacy. And yep. folks, let me tell you something. That Supreme Court is as legitimate tonight as it was before Brett Kavanaugh sat on that bench. This is a sham. It was a con job. It was poppycock. It was lies. It was innuendo. It was false allegation, and I hope to God, Boogie, I do. I know he probably won't because he wants to put this behind him. But again, it, there's a part of me that's just so angry about this whole thing. I want to see somebody pay for what they did because, Boogie, if they get away with it this time, they'll try it again next time. Well, if I, if I can give you something positive. Now, well, I'll give you a negative first, and then I'll give you a positive. If Republicans aren't aware by now that, forget about the legitimacy of the Supreme Court, Chris, the, the far left think you, your whole belief system is illegitimate. Don't, don't worry about the Supreme Court. They're going to say that's illegitimate. They're going to say they're going to question the legitimacy of the Supreme Court because they think you as a population, as a voting base, as Christians, as conservatives, you're all, you all have no legitimacy. Just by the mere fact that you exist. I've said before, right. you know, in our utopia, there are people protesting and expressing themselves freely on the streets and getting angry at the government for what they do. In their utopia, Chris, we don't exist. We're not That's there. Perfect. We're not invited to their utopia. So never mind. They're going to do what they're going to do. They're going to question the legitimacy of everything you do. For a lot of these hard left apparatchiks, Chris, everything a Christian says is wrong the second that their words hit oxygen. So don't That's worry. True. Like From that foundation point, you know what you're dealing with. What we were talking about with... you know, See, this is the thing. Here's your positive. I think... The, the best strategy that the Republicans have right now, because I think the way that the Democrats have treated this Kavanaugh situation leading into a vital midterm election where they really do need to recapture the House, you know, this is, this is primary, this is objective number one. I think it is arguably the worst strategy of all time that they've played, at least in my lifetime and at least in my time watching American politics, which, you know, to be fair, isn't that long, maybe 10 years or so, 10 or 12 years. That's, that's when I started taking an interest, you know, in what goes on. But the thing is, 
the worst strategy of all time needs only to be accelerated by the Republicans. Now, what you do by pushing through, by going through with your agenda, you think about what life is like on the left and on the hard left for Democrats right now in this day and age. The hard left are trying, they're, they're, they're pumping all hands to the pump as hard as they can to replace moderate Democrats with socialists. Look at Ocasio-Cortez. Look at Gillum in Florida. I want to accelerate that process. I want more moderate Democrats to be removed and replaced with socialists. Why? Because by and large, for the mass of the population, socialists are completely and utterly unelectable. So let let the socialists take control of the Democrat Party. Then they will be absolutely eviscerated in middle America. Yes, they will. Okay, yes, so this is the positive side of it. If you push through the, 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 you know, the independents, yeah, they might like to see a little bit of passion. You know what they don't like to see? Communists, right? right. They don't, they don't right. like to see people shrieking on the streets, attacking people with bike locks, smashing people's cars, trying to scratch their way into the Supreme Court. Most people are embarrassed to be associated with that kind of behaviour, whether they're on the left or the right. It doesn't matter. That is the extreme fringe. So the more that the Republican Party actually does what their base wants them to do, the more solidified that unit becomes. See, look, the Democrats have done what Donald Trump himself couldn't even do. They got the Never Trumpers on board. They've now brought the Never Trumpers into the fold. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. It's like walking on water for two years. It is for it's for two years. The Never Trumpers were working in the background to oppose Donald Trump's agenda and oppose his philosophy and oppose his mode of politics. They're now they are now convinced that the Trump way is the only way. Congratulations, Democrats! You just created a unifying force to fight against where it hasn't right. been before. And what happens then? The the Republican Party gets more solidified with its base. It becomes more popular with independents. Why? Because the alternative, you can see screaming and screeching and wailing and attacking people on the street. So they're only fueling their own demise. And when they fuel their own demise, they create, you know, a power vacuum within their own party. Moderates get turfed out because they're acting too nice, allegedly, according to the New York Times. They get replaced with hardcore left socialists who are only appealing to 20% of the base. They get elected because most Democrats don't want to vote in the primaries anymore because they feel like it's a waste of time. And then when the socialist is up against somebody who actually does what they say in the mold of Donald Trump, Trump, they get absolutely wiped out in the general. That's right, Boogie. Perfect, perfect statement. And speaking of Gilliam, I grew up in Tallahassee, Florida, actually, uh, just north of there. And uh, I worked in Tallahassee. It's the capital city of Florida. And Gilliam, uh, there's a lot of things that are out there about him that uh, he mismanaged that city. There's a lot of yep. corruption. And uh, he's going to get killed. He's going to absolutely get slaughtered in, in, the, in the race against um uh, the Santas, and uh, you know, for good and for good reason. But again, the fact that he won illustrates what you just described. That's the direction the Democratic Party is going to. And again, I'm not going to stop them because it's like watching your enemy go off a cliff. I am not going to put a roadblock up. They want to go off the cliff. Uh, uh, it's like the roadrunner, you know. I'll tarmac the road myself so they get an extra five mile an hour. You know what I mean? Let's make it quicker. Let's oil those wheels up. Yeah. All right. Give the Absolutely. horse a smack I'm on the bum. You, get it running. I'm with you on that one, buddy. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, man, uh, we got about 15 minutes or so. I'm going to spend the last segment on the other big news of the day, and um, is that's the uh, sudden resignation of Nikki Haley. And I know the media tonight 
and even these asshole Democrats, they're trying to paint this as uh, the Trump White House being in chaos. And uh, Boogie, you're the one that has inspired me. I, I remember us, I think it was our last show uh, that we did together. You were talking about how started in January 17. Every single month, there's been a different narrative yep. from January to October 2018 that this is the end of Donald Trump. This is the end of Donald Trump. Oh, no, this forget, forget about January 2017. It started in 2016 when he was still a candidate. They oh, were saying, absolutely. remember, absolutely. like That's the Billy Bush tape, the Billy Bush tape, this election, the guy, I forget the guy's name, uh, the idiot pundit on CNN, this election is over. Donald Bob Trump Beckel. cannot Beckel. win from here. Yeah. Right? How do these Bob people Beckel. still have jobs? It's he incredible. Actually, Bob don't. He got kicked he off. Does, it, for does he really? So, oh, yeah, he, <laughs> he didn't have a job no more for drinking. But, uh, I'd be hey, I'd be yeah, drinking too uh, after that. I'd be drinking too I after that be. experience. <laughs> <laughs> That's the truth, buddy. Yeah, but uh, Menendez came out tonight and he was like, "This is a signal that our foreign policy is in a, a shambles." <laughs> Not thinking, Bob, that you're you know you just beat corruption charges by mistrial or a hung jury, and you're going to probably spend it, spend your next freaking years in jail he was the one that called the fbi investigation bullshit you yeah. know and being a smart ass last week too but but i want to ask you about nikki because it is it's the truth of the matter tonight don't listen to all the media folks the truth is nikki told president trump just six months ago that she was going to resign uh they handled it perfectly i felt i feel like president trump bringing her into the oval office today having the joint press conference uh making the announcement together um i think was well handled uh, look, it's it's not a it's not a secret. It's not like uh, a newsflash. Nikki Haley didn't agree with everything that President Trump did or said. Yep. Uh, she didn't agree. She didn't agree with him everything that she said that he said before, and uh, you know before we ran. And she sure didn't as his Secretary of State. But I will tell you this: I do believe that it was always an odd fit. I, I looked at her almost like I did McMaster. And I looked at her like sort of Tillerson and I, and I just, I didn't, um, I don't know. I, I just, it was always a weird fit to me, but when I heard the news today, I wasn't that unhappy about it. I just, I wish Nikki the best. I do. I think she was a decent uh, uh, ambassador for us at the UN, but uh, what's your thoughts on that? How do you, how did you see it today when you heard about all that? Well, look, I didn't, I didn't know a lot about Nikki Haley before she took the job, but I did know from afar, from the outside looking in, that big sections of the MAGA community weren't happy with her being in that role because of like things that you mentioned, those different points of views when it comes to things like immigration, globalism, integration of various governments and these unelected bodies, which you know, in a in a kind of backwards way, made her perfect for the UN Joel uh, role. Really, now see, it's funny that you say. Uh, they didn't have, um, they didn't agree on everything. Since when has having a difference of opinion made you bad at your job? Like, not see, bad. it's not a bad thing, but no. It's not a bad and thing. I, if if we had an honest media, they would say that Donald Trump is surrounded by people who have very different views to his own, and this is a good thing because he can weigh up the different views. Donald Trump, from all reports, is uh, the kind of guy who will sit down and talk to you, and if you make sense with your view, he'll say, all right, you know what, that's a good idea, let's do that. Like He, he can be spoken to, right? Whereas, you know, I, I don't understand why the, the corporate media has this, you know, this insistence that, politicians have to act like dictators. That's the ironic thing. They accuse Donald Trump of being a dictator, yet he's probably the one that is surrounded with the most differing views, you know, than any, any president, president over the last... Exactly. So... I the, believe that. 
Now, the thing is, she can have a difference of opinion on various topics, but from what I could see, from what I could gather, she fought very hard for the Trump agenda in the UN, and she was a warrior for his ideas. She stood up to the UN, especially when it came to the Jerusalem issue, especially when it came to Trump's negotiations with North Korea, especially when it came to prosecuting the case against Iran, when everybody else in that cauldron was telling her, it's wrong, Donald Trump's an idiot, don't listen to him, he's got no ideas of his own. She actually pushed through and did her job. Her job is to represent the UN, and she did it with a plum, from what I could tell, regardless of whether she disagrees or not. And I think that is a marker of somebody who is highly competent and understands that the role they're being hired to do. The other thing is the the corporate media wants to try and spin these resignations and these uh, movements of people in and out of various roles like it's some kind of it's some kind of confusing chaotic environment in the White House. Donald Trump has said from day one, there is absolutely no mistaking it whatsoever. The corporate media is lying to you, believe it or not. There is no mistaking it that Donald Trump has said, the way I treat these roles is I bring somebody in, they do a job for a certain amount of time, and then when I need a new direction, I change the person because everybody has special abilities and special skills. The right man or woman for the right job at the right time, and then you're gone. That's the way it works in corporate America. For some reason, the, 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 the corporate press likes to perpetuate the defunct and plainly wrong idea in politics that the political class have created. Once you have a job in politics, oh, you have a job for life. No, no, that's not, that's not the way it should be. I'm sorry if you guys have got addicted to the gravy being pumped into your vein on the train for the last 50 years, but the taxpayers have had an enough so you just because you get appointed to this role they look at look at look at uh these appointees in the last 30 40 50 years chris they get in there it doesn't matter how bad they are at their job they never lose it they never lose it donald trump doesn't work that way that's not the way he works as a businessman you come in you have to do the job you're asked to do if you can't do it if you can't fulfill the requirements of the role we kick you out we get somebody else if you do come in and do the job for a certain amount of time when your job is fulfilled we move you on and we bring somebody else to do a different job that's the way it works in real life the political class for too long have had this you know kind of protected existence which isn't market facing where they think they can come in and once they're on the gravy train they're there for the rest of their days those days are done those days are over and the sooner they wake up to it and the corporate media that perpetuates this myth wakes up to it the better for everyone i think totally agree buddy and you know again uh the other thing that that sort of stuck out to me today is she's agreed to stay on to the end of the year She's going to work with the president on finding a replacement. I think uh, Dina Powell's name's coming up. Uh, Trump was joking with the reporter, said that he would uh, nominate Ivanka, but they would uh, accuse him of nepotism and all that stuff. <laughs> and uh, look, if Donald Trump, if Donald Trump nominates the Apostle Paul, they would find something wrong with his nominee, uh, Boogie. Uh, if, Look, I think I'm going to just throw my name in there, and that way they really will go after yeah. some skeletons and say, hey, Chris McConnell, come on, bring it, bring it. It wouldn't do for me to be at the UN. I wouldn't last a day because I would, I would be laying the hammer down every day like Nikki Haley was. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I'm going to just say this in defense of Nikki. Again, while I was never a big fan of the choice, once she got in there, I do believe she has done a more than substantial, admirable job as Absolutely. our UN ambassador. She, I tell you what, she has been the toughest UN ambassador we've ever had against the Palestinians and against this Islamic threat. Uh, look, Susan Rice was a joke. 
and mm -hmm. uh, to have Nikki Haley in that role compared to the, the UN ambassadors we've had, like, um, and I can't think of the uh, Powers, uh, the, Samantha. the redhead under Obama, Samantha Powers. I mean, what a joke. John Kerry, what a joke. Yep. I mean, it was ridiculous. And It was the know, apology Kerry, tour. It was the apology, apology tour. tour man. And it was refreshing these last two years to see somebody up there not apologizing, but basically in the hammer down to these rogue nations and saying, you either get on board or you know something, if you want to be our friend, you can be our friend. But if you don't want to be our friend, we'll be your enemy and we'll be good at being your enemy. We don't care. Well, how That's about this? How about this, Chris? How about this? Sorry to interrupt. How about a word of warning for those on the left and the corporate media who are celebrating this as some kind of weird pseudo victory that they had no part in? How about a word of warning to them? Have you considered the fact that Nikki Haley was actually the soft option? And the next, and the next, what about the next person we send in there might double down and be twice as hard and might, you Absolutely. know, might argue twice as strong for the Trump agenda. Now, now Trump is solidified. The midterms are coming up. Like if, if there is a, if there is a, a successful midterms for the Republicans, I think everything, I think it's time to turn the screws. I think Trump knows it because he'll have the momentum. He'll have the numbers at home. He doesn't have to worry too much. He, remember, he's in a delicate position with a 51-only majority in the Senate. So he has to... Yeah, if it goes up, look out. Because the next appointee to the UN might be twice as hard. You know, we might send, we might send. Uh, what's that sheriff? <laughs> what's that sheriff's name? Joe uh, Apio. No, 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 <laughs> no, not Hill. the other. There's another one. There's another one who yeah, is David going Clark. to David, David Clark. David Clark. Yeah, let's get yeah. him in there. Let's get him yeah, in there. Rooting, rooting, and tooting. <laughs> rooting, tooting. David Clark with a six shooter on his side. James R. Myself. I think James R. <laughs> makes you an ambassador. But you see my point though, right? So what yeah. if Nikki Haley was the one to, you know, just kind of do her job, do her role. Maybe Trump can see, we don't have access to the internal polling numbers of the Republicans. The way that I'm reading the Republicans lately with the confidence of Lindsey Graham, the confidence of Mitch McConnell, the confidence of Donald Trump, it suggests to me that they are strong. When you look at the other yeah. side, if they, if they're really was a blue wave, Chris, Barack Obama would not be out there campaigning. If there really was a blue wave, you wouldn't have Joe Donnelly being quoted in AP Reuters saying, hey, I'm a Trump guy. He's now, they're now using, he's now using Trump slogans in Indiana. That was reported today. So if there was a blue wave, he wouldn't be doing that. He'd be pushing the Democrat line because that's the blue wave line, right? So it's, it's clearly BS. It is BS. And let me say this to my audience tonight, Boogie. When you go vote to that, those polls, I want you to remember this shit show that you've seen the last 15 days and this crap show. Excuse my language. But I'm telling you, folks, the Democrats need to pay a price. Joe Donnelly needs to pay a price. If he's such a Trump supporter, why didn't he vote for Brett Kavanaugh? Yep. He's such a Trump supporter. Why hasn't he voted for the wall? By the way, Kevin McCartney introduced a bill today for the full funding of Trump's border wall. So, Mr. Donnelly, if you're so Trumpish, why don't you get behind Kevin McCartney's bill? Kevin's in the House. I'm sure this bill will come to the Senate. I'm sure we can count on your vote in the Senate, Joe, uh, for <laughs> passing that bill. That's right. You Put know? the pressure on. Put the pressure on. Put the pressure on. Hold your breath. It ain't going to happen. Boogie, that's the problem with these Democrats, and we've got to wrap this up. That, you know, I've got one down here in Tennessee campaigning the same way. Phil Bredesen, he's, he's going around the state telling everybody that if he's elected over Marsha Blackburn, the Republican senator, uh, Senate nominee, uh, that he's going to be uh, in the middle, that he's going to look at things that he agrees with the president and all and vote with the president, and those are the things that he don't vote, that he's going to vote 
the Democrat, that is right. the biggest lie. They yeah. lie, lie. They never do that, Boogie. They never do that. It's no. always going to be the left wing, Chuck Schumer wing, that they're going to vote with. That's just our, the Doug Jones yeah. in Alabama did it yep. when he when he beat Roy Moore. And, and look, you got to vote Republican, folks. I don't care if your candidate's not perfect in November. It's about the balance of power. Vote red, vote red, vote red, red, red for R is Republican. And look, we'll fix the rhinos during the primaries next go around. We, that's why we have elections. We can't, we can't weed out everybody at once, but we can get them out one at a time. But you got to vote Republican. This House cannot be given to the Democrats. The Senate, I believe, Boogie, has got a real good chance of being a 58 42. Republican majority. I really believe we've got five or six seats that are going into the Republican corner that are Democrat. I don't know of really many Republican seats out there that are that vulnerable. We thought Tennessee might be vulnerable, but not anymore. Marsha Blackburn is just pulled away here in the last few weeks simply because of the Kavanaugh effect. But people have got to vote, Boogie. It's that important. And and look, James R., I've said it. You've said it. Uh, I've heard other shows say it that the, this is the most important midterms of our lifetime for many reasons. The momentum that we got in 2016 with this election of Donald Trump can be stopped right in its path if people don't get out and do what they're supposed to do. And that's pray and that's get out and vote. We yep. got to vote red. And I'm like you, if there was a blue wave coming, they wouldn't be pulling their big socialist guns out to get that left wing of the base fired up. But you know, Boogie, I've always found this and I'll give it back to you. That left wing side of the base has never been dependable because they may talk a good game, but when it comes to election day, most of them wind up staying home. They don't get out and close the deal most well, of the they, time. They don't have the numbers. It's an illusion. It's, it's, a, it's a political illusion created by the corporate media and the people on the left wing of the Democrat Party who are always looking for opportunities to seize power in their own party first. You know, the, the war that goes on within the Democrat Party, it, it's a factional war. And trust me, the, the ultra left wing of the Democrats hate the moderates more than you hate right. the moderates. That's they right. hate them. They see them as That's weak. Right. They see them as, you know, not effective enough. But the reality is that the fringe left of the Democrat Party is very small in number. And especially, I mean, look, where do you think there, there was a story that came out the other day, Chris? 800,000 new registered voters. And of course, it was by a. a a place called Rock the Vote. So I went on Rock the Vote's website and I saw this is about racial justice and climate change. And so you might think, okay, 800,000, that's a, and it was reported on CNN. You might think 800,000, that's a fair chunk of people. We're in trouble here. But think about it. Where do you think the 800,000 people are coming from? If the 800,000 people are coming from New York and LA, it's not going to make any difference at all because they're already winning those districts. There, are, Do you think people in North Dakota and West Virginia Chris are going to be, you know, politically aroused by people wearing black masks and bashing into people no. on the street? Of course not. No. Of course not. It doesn't happen that way. And here's here's something for you know the independents and the walk away Democrats to consider. What better message to send to the leadership of your party that you're walking away from, Democrats, than actually sending a vote in the other direction? I know it's painful. I know that you've thought that you would never, ever vote for a Republican in your entire life. 
hold your nose and pull the lever for red because that's the only way that you're going to get your party to change. If they can rely on your vote every single election, they're not going to change to suit your needs. You have to send the message to the Democrats if you want the Democrats to be better. For the independents, chess is a game of putting your pieces in the correct positions, but before you can do that, you have to remove your opponent's pieces from the board first to get to the king. So if you want to take those pieces away, if you want to deny the opposition, you know, the control of the chessboard, you're going to have to remove those pieces for the independents. That means voting against them. It doesn't mean staying home. It means actually sending a vote in the opposite direction so you can take one of their pieces off the board and replace it with somebody that isn't going to destroy the country. I think I could have said it better, buddy. And I wish I could keep you another hour. Our time is up tonight. But uh, I just want to tell you, thank you so much. This is, You know, when we get together, the the time always flies, my friend. And it flies for a good reason because it's uh, easy to talk to you and you've got such a good insight. And that laugh is contagious. I wish I had it. I wish I could speak Australia. And I never would close my mouth. And everybody in in the chat room clapping their hands and saying, thank God Chris ain't Australian. Because when you didn't shut up sometimes. So, uh, but uh, (laughs) yeah. <laughs> anyway, bloody mate, uh, that's British. That's not in my Australia. I got to work nah, on that. That's close enough. Australian it's close thing. enough. Don't worry close about enough. it. It's fine. All right. Well, I got to put my hat on. I tell Boogie, yeah, I got to use my prop whenever he's on since he's in the dark. So I'll go very with my dapper. dark hat. Looking very good. Looking a little Humphrey hey, Bogart over there. Hey, I do. I, I got to ask you one question before I leave. How did you guys celebrate Halloween down in uh, Australia? Do y'all, do y'all dress up and go trick or treating down there? Like I, we I do tell here? you, I tell you, you, you may not like this, and I may upset a few Americans in the audience. We generally don't celebrate Halloween, and when kids do celebrate Halloween, we swear at each other in Australian slang and say, "Look at these idiots taking up American customs." <laughs> 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 this is Australia. This well, ain't America. Uh, You're not getting any candy here mate <laughs> i can see you doing something like that boogie i can see you with a sign out that says go go to next door go to somebody else's house and get your candy get your free I'll, candy somewhere else I, I give them cigarettes that way their parents never send them back <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, man. That's awesome. All right, my friend. We appreciate you, Boogie. We'll be we'll be having you back on soon and uh one of these days we're gonna get us we need to get you and James back together on the pirate show. We we always have a good pirate show on Friday night, but this has been great tonight, my friend. Thank you for jumping in and, and doing this with us. We always appreciate you down there. Be safe in those storms. Let me say this before we close out tonight. Our prayers tonight for the Florida Gulf Coast. Uh that's near my home, Tallahassee, Florida, South Georgia, Southeast Alabama. That whole area is under the gun tonight with this hurricane coming up. Gulf, it's a powerful storm. Please be safe. Buckle down the hatches. If you've not made your preparations to get inland, you probably are a little late. You need to get on inland tonight. This thing's coming in tomorrow. It's going to be very bad down there. Be safe, my friends. And uh, Boogie, you be safe down there in your weather too, down under. We've been talking to the original Boogie Bumper, the one and only. It's been a great chat. We appreciate you guys joining us tonight here on the Mac Files. Same bat time, same bat channel. I will tell you this. We're going to do our best to be on all week. If we're not able to bring you a show format like this, we'll come to you with a live cast, at least update you what's going on, uh, depending on the power situation where we're headed this week. But we will definitely have some shows uh, toward the weekend and so forth to catch up. But anyway, uh, we'll let you know what's going on. Boogie, my friend, thank you, buddy. We appreciate you, man. You know we we always uh, love having you on this show, and we appreciate you coming on tonight again, my friend. Thanks for having me. Good night, and God bless, Chris.
God night, good night to you. I, I that was a good Australian. God night, good night, right? That's that's what Australian. <laughs> Close good enough. Night, good night, good night. You know, okay. God bless you out there. God bless your families, and God bless this great nation of America. And God bless that great nation of Australia down under our friends and allies south of the border. God bless you guys. Have a good night, Boogie. Thank you again, buddy. Thank you. Thank you.